Welcome to episode 141 of Motherhood in Hollywood. You know, did I say that last week was episode 141? <laughs> because if I did, I actually meant that's this week. So um, you guys, it's a lot <laughs> to keep track of. Um, but anyway, my guest this week is Lisa Henson. She is the daughter of Jim Henson and current CEO of the Henson Company. And we have so much to talk about. She is a wealth of information about the history and the legacy of the Jim Henson Company. And I cannot wait to share her interview with you guys. But first, I want to remind you, if you are ever worried about your smile or interested in fixing it, maybe your teeth are spaced apart a little bit, or you want to, um, you know, you got a crooked tooth, whatever the situation might be, check out smiledirectclub.com. I am almost done with my four-month journey with Smile Direct Club, and you could go to their website, smiledirectclub.com, enter the code Heather Smiles at checkout, and you'll get 50% off an at-home impression kit. Or if you live in one of the cities where they have a smile shop, you get a free smile scan. Amazing. Everything free is amazing. Check it out now, smiledirectclub.com. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. It's Heather. Uh, of course it is. Who else would it be? Um, I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode. I am talking to Lisa Henson. She's the daughter of Jim Henson, of course, very famous uh, creator and puppeteer um, and owner of the Henson Company. And she is going to be talking to us about her father's legacy, her favorite shows, some upcoming projects that the Henson Company is working on. We're going to dive into all of that stuff. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you guys. Right now, though, I should tell you, you'll never believe this, where I'm actually recording my podcast this week. I am backstage right now at The Voice. This is the season finale of The Voice tonight. And I have had one of those like whirlwind sort of days where I started my day interviewing Lisa Henson, came right to the NBC Universal lot, and I'm interviewing um, the coaches of The Voice, Blake Shelton, Alicia Keys, Kelly Clarkson, um, not Adam Levine, because his contestant unfortunately did not make make it. <laughs> None of his contestants made it to the top um, four, but I also got to interview the top four contestants. So I'm sitting here right now kind of um, on a break period, putting my podcast together because you know priorities. And um, I'm actually going to go watch the finale myself and see who wins. And maybe I'll get an interview with the winner after the show. So very exciting times, you guys. It just kind of reminds me, and I was talking to Chris about this, like how much I miss live television. There are definitely moments where I miss reporting every day and like, you know, the, the, um, immediacy of being a reporter and a live and an anchor and that sort of thing. But what's been so wonderful and so great about motherhood in Hollywood is that I can do both. Um, I can do my podcast, I can write for my website and I, um, can do live coverage on television and I can choose the stories I want to cover. And it's just been, it's such an incredibly empowering thing to start your own business, start your own, 
um, content, create your own content. That's something I talk a lot about here on Motherhood in Hollywood. As you guys know, if you're following along at home, um, it's a very empowering thing to be able to do. And I love getting to share that with you guys. And I'm so grateful for all of you who have come along the journey with me. And um, if you are new to the show, if this is your first podcast, um, welcome. Hello. Take a minute and subscribe to my show on iTunes or Stitcher, Player FM, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you leave a review for me. I really appreciate it. That's how I know you guys are listening and you like the content I'm bringing you. And um, make sure you check me out at Motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Facebook, as well as at Heather Brooker on Twitter. Um, in a couple of weeks, you guys, I am hosting a great big family play day in Los Angeles. If you're in the LA area, please get tickets. Come by and say hello to me. I'm very excited. I'm going to be on the main stage all day long with bands and brands and moms and dads and kiddos. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. Channing is also going to be walking in the fashion show for that one. So I can't wait to see that. We'll see how she does. She's probably going to like She's probably going to be okay with it after it's over, (laughs) but we'll see how she does initially. She's going to be like, what is everyone, why is everyone looking at me? Um, And speaking of Channing, this week is her last week of official preschool. Like she has a couple of summer kind of prep classes that she's going to be taking, but this is her last official week of preschool. And I'm going to be a big sobbing hot mess on Friday and because I'm like, I just, I, this is all happening so fast, even though and then when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel like it's fast. But, you know, here we are three years later, she's been in preschool since she was two and a half. And um, I'm, I'm bowled over with so many emotions because, you know, she starts kindergarten in a few months and it's such a big change. Although I think she's totally going to rock it. Like she's excited. She's asking me a lot of questions about kindergarten, about the kids who are going to be there. And is she going to meet any best friends? And, you know, one thing I love about her is that everyone she meets is her best friend. (laughs) And, um, I hope she never loses that side of herself and that, and that, that sense of, um, joy and meeting new people and having new experiences. So, Anyway, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to rein it in, guys. I'm going to rein it in. Got to be profesh. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of profesh, let's get to this interview. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. If you have ever watched Fraggle Rock, um, The Muppets, any of those old classic shows, uh, Sesame Street, you guys are going to love this interview because Lisa Henson was there for it all. And she's got some exciting new projects that they're working on. The season two of Doozers is going to be out on Hulu on uh, May 25th. So you guys want to make sure you check that out. Watch it with your little ones. They'll really love it. So here is my interview with Lisa Henson. I'm just actually so thrilled to sit down and talk with you because um, you have been so prolific in um, what's been happening in the Henson Company, especially since the passing of your father. And I would love to just talk about what that was like for you to kind of, I don't want to say step into his shoes because that feels like, you know, you haven't, that doesn't pay homage to what you've done here. Um, but I would just like to talk a little bit about what it was like for you to kind of, you know, step into the Henson company. Well, I came to work at the Henson company when I was almost 40 years old. Um, I had my own career as a, a studio executive at Warner brothers and also at Columbia pictures making feature films. 
And it was really important to me when I, um, when I was a teenager, I, I wanted to make sure that I had my own career and my own life and that I didn't just, um, you know, follow my father around. I had the opportunity to go and work for him. Of course, he, he really wanted all of his kids to work in the business. So there were times when I worked as a production assistant in high school and in college, and I did various things, you know, around the company, but I didn't see that as my path. Um, because I was kind of ambitious in my own right, but also I um, I respected what he was doing, and it was his thing, you know. <laughs> so it was important for me that I went and had my own career in my twenties, my thirties, and it was only when I um, had my own kids, um, and I had a little, I had a very small child. My my son was just a year and a half or two when I came to work at at the company. I would love to hear a little bit more about your um, life as a mom in this industry because you had been in the studio system. You had been at Warner Brothers and an executive um, at, at Columbia. Um, was it not Warner Brothers? Did I lie? Warner, I was. I worked almost 10 years at Warner Brothers, okay. and then I was president of the studio at Columbia. Okay. So both studios. So you were already like working a lot. What was it like to then try to incorporate motherhood into that? You know, I was, I came to being a mother a little bit late. I was almost 40 and then I was 40 when my, when I had my second child. Um, and I had already had a very rewarding career. So I might be one of those mothers who appreciated motherhood in a in a different way because it came late. And so I also had more a little bit more free time. Like my time was time and schedule was more my own. I didn't have to do 10 meetings a day like I would as an executive. And you know, I was able to um, juggle things a little bit better, you know, because, because of what had happened in my career at that moment. And then shortly after I started having kids, I came to work at the Henson company again. And, um, I say again, I had not officially worked here <laughs> ever as an adult, but as a, as a kid and as a teenager, I had worked at the, at the company. Um, <clears throat> so I came home in a sense to the family company when I had my kids and it was great because, I probably hadn't watched children's television for quite a long time. You know, mm -hmm. perhaps the things that play on two levels, like Pee Wee's Playhouse, I had been watching, and Animaniacs. But you know, the majority of what was being made for young children, I hadn't been watching or even paying attention. Was that attention. purposeful? Do you think, because you had kind of grown up in the children's television world and environment, or do you feel like you were kind of like, nah, I need to, I want to see more adult things? I was just completely busy making feature films, mm -hmm. and so every spare moment was catching up on scripts or or going out to the movies or seeing who the new directors and writers were and I, I had just become um as I said absolutely distracted by <laughs> by features and was a little bit out of the loop of what was happening with children's television and um mainstream children's entertainment um as soon as I had kids instantaneously I was just plunged back into it and everything that the family company was doing seemed extremely relevant um, to me personally, to our family. Um, and, and the first Henson Company show that I was a, a consumer of was Bear in the Big Blue House. So, you know, my son was little and he loved Bear more than anything. And he loved Luna and he loved all the characters and the songs. And so, you know, that was the first 
Henson show that I saw from the point of view of a parent. A parent, yeah. And it made a big difference because, you know, I and I and it made a big difference to me how I viewed other people's shows as well, you know, shows that may not have resonated for me creatively as an as an artistic person, I could suddenly see why those shows were compelling to toddlers or to young kids and, you know, the immediacy of just um, uh, being with your own kids and watching your children um, fo follow along with entertainment, sing along, play along, um, fall in love with the characters. Sometimes the things that grab their attention are not the fanciest productions. Sometimes they're not the best animated or the most beautifully designed. And, you know, it was watching how children really respond to certain things that um, compelled me to get, you know, get back into preschool programming here and um, working with Hallie Stanford and Alex Rockwell and people who have had never stopped making uh, preschool programming to really understand from the inside out um, why the shows that work work for kids. Mm. I want to know, do you feel any sort of pressure to carry on your father's legacy? Do you feel like a responsibility in some way to do that? Or would you ever, is there ever a time where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so burnt out. Like I just want to, you know, I want to go do Marvel movies or, you know what I mean? Like, do you ever feel like anything like that? Well, here we, we tend to balance it out. Like my brother, Brian and I both do a fair amount of legacy properties and projects. And we also do brand new things that are perhaps uh, things that are, that are just more interesting to us as individual producers or in his case as a director. So some of the things that I do, they're very high profile, like um, Dark Crystal series that we're making for Netflix. Um, so excited about yeah, that, so by the way. we're developing a Fraggle Rock movie. You know, when Ooh, we're what? doing... <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's been but, announced. That's not secret. <laughs> I know, but I did. I don't think I knew that, but I'm ex I'm so excited about that. Yeah, so when we, when we work with the established properties... Um, I would say that we're extremely careful and, and we think um, quite hard about being faithful to the legacy, to the property, to the rules of the world mm -hmm. or to the, and also um, how, we, how we work or don't work with the original uh, collaborators if they are still around. Um, so we, I would say that we sort of undertake the legacy properties with a lot of responsibility but love too because those are some of the most fun projects to work on so it's it's not not responsibility in a heavy way it's just yes we do we are very careful with those properties um they're as a, but they're it's a pleasure a privilege and a lot of fun to work on them as well when do you we have do, a favorite one of yours that's of the, of the legacy one one that holds like a special place in your heart yes when i was um when i was in college, I was a major, I majored in folklore and mythology, and I convinced my father to do a show called The Storyteller. And it's not the most well-known property here, it's quite well-known in England, and it has a little bit of a cult following amongst fantasy filmmakers and people who love special effects and puppetry. Um, it's a series that, um, that tells authentic folk tales, and most of them are very unknown folk tales. Um, through the beautiful, beautifully written scripts by Anthony Minghella. Um, 
and the series is, as I said, I'm very proud of it today. Um, you know, I still think about what, what more to do with that property. We're publishing graphic novels of Storyteller oh, cool. Now th- with, um, with our partner company, Arkea. And, um, and anyway, it's very close to me because I wrote the original treatment for it and oh, convinced, wow. and convinced my father to work on it and convinced him of the idea. And then I had a job at Warner Brothers, so I, I didn't work on the show. It was produced by a, a famous, now famous producer named Duncan Kenworthy and written by Anthony Minghella. And it was done at an incredible A-plus Rolls-Royce creative level that was not me in the execution, but I was there. I, it was my germ, you know, so yeah. that's my special project. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> what, a, that, what an awesome feeling that must be to be yeah. able to share something like that. <laughs> Um, I would love to know too, um, did you ever play with puppets when you were growing up? Did you we have did a puppet? occasionally, <laughs> you know, people have asked me silly questions like, did you think the puppets were alive or did you, did they, <laughs> did you guys do puppet shows around the house? And I would say like, no, no, neither of those things is true. Um, but it, but we did occasionally play with them and the, the, in back in the day in the early sixties, you know, my parents, when the, when a puppet was ready to be thrown away it might just end up at our house in the in the you know in the toy box or something so we did have some of the old puppets from their original show salmon friends so which is if those puppets had not been beat up by us in our childhood (laughs) they would be in the smithsonian along with the rest of the cast of that show (laughs) wow um but yeah so just a couple were were around for for uh for playing with I would love to know right now, um, what are some of the things that you're most passionate about that are coming out from the Henson company? What are the shows that people, um, are going to be on the lookout for? Cause I know in our house, we watch a lot of Sid, the oh, science great. kid. Yes. We also watch a lot of splash and bubbles. Yay! <laughs> oh my daughter <laughs> loves the fish and all of that. Yeah. We still, well, we have, we have new episodes of splash and bubbles coming out through the summer. Cool. Including we have the characters going to the North and South pole, which is kind of funny. They try to go to the North pole, but they get lost and go to the South pole. <laughs> so oh, they no. end up seeing both and they run across strange things in the Arctic waters, and you don't ever want to run across a brinicle. I would tell you oh, that. Oh, so okay. Stay tuned for that show. <laughs> um, we have we're in produ- going into production on new episodes of Dinosaur Train, which is oh, really yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's I love a that. Very long running show for us. Um, we will be making our 100th episode. That's great. Um, in this season, so you know that's been it's it's a very successful show that for us feels like it's crossed over to classic Mm -hmm. territory by now because when something is in continuous production for 10 years like that um you know it uh, it kind of starts to have a different sort of status in that pantheon of of children's television shows um we're about to launch new episodes of doozers on uh, on Hulu, so mm-hmm. we're really excited about that. It's a it's I, we like to say it's the little little engine that could kind of TV show because not everybody knows about it, but they should because it's a gem and it has such a wonderful um, curriculum of design thinking and invention and sort of modeling really wonderful um, 
ways of, of thinking and playing for children. Is it STEM focused? Do you try to work in STEM? Because, you know, I watched the first couple of episodes with my daughter and I, I watched her little mind like working as they were trying to figure things out and build things and create things. She's a creator. Mm -hmm. She just has always been that way. She was born that way. And so I saw her mind kind of working like that and it was really neat to watch. So is that something when during the writing process, you guys are like, how can we infuse some, um, science, technology, engineering, math into this? It is exact. I'm so happy to hear what you just said, because that's exactly <laughs> what we're going for with the show. As opposed to teaching hard science, and there is very little hard science. Occasionally there is. So, you know, yeah. we go, we learn what a beehive is, or sure. we learn, you know, there are very occasionally some hard science. It's really about um, thinking and a certain way of tackling problems in a collaborative, um, sort of um, undefeatable way. Like you can see that they they make a lot of mistakes, but then they use their mistakes, they learn from them, they'll re or they'll build something that doesn't work, and then they'll take it all apart, reuse all the pieces, make something else. Or the thing that they made, they may realize it's good for some other purpose than what they made it for. Um, what they're building a lot of times has a fantasy angle. So, you know, we're not, it, it's different from the Sid the Science Kid because whereas in Sid, we show them doing super fab lab activities that, that you as a parent can like actually copy actual that science home. experiments. Yeah. yeah. The inducers, you know, they might be building a little jet pack for, for one of them to fly around. And so that's not anything we can copy, but it's the thought, it's the way that they think and act that it creates a model. We also think it's not just STEM, but STEAM, because yeah. the art, the A, the art part of STEAM, um, is, is also very relevant because the same pr process of um, designing something, planning it, collaborating on it, trial and error. So many of those same processes apply to doing a creative project as well as a science or engineering project. Um, so, you know, we just, we just love the doozers. We think that they <laughs> are, they're just like the most charming little characters. They're and so cute. I mean, I, I was a fan of Fraggle Rock. I'm, I, um, grew up on that show. I loved it. Um, my, I even have a picture of my daughter with red Fraggle when she was a baby. Of course she didn't know what it was. She just saw a big, right bright red fuzzy thing. Um, so I, you know, would never have thought to do like a, um, a, a branch off character with the doozers, but what a great idea because they were always building and creating something. And then the fraggles would come in and wreck it and they'd have to build it again. So, um, I know that was the funniest thing about the original doozers is they really didn't seem to mind having anything mm -mm. break or fall apart because mm -mm. it gave them a chance gave to, them to do it, it and build yeah, it. Like they to... love to do build They're They're completely, they just love to be busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're so it's such a sweet idea. And I love um, the way you guys have done it. And you've done a really great job with it. I know my daughter really enjoyed it as well. Um, I would love to talk just really quickly about the animation process. The Because um, it's not... It, the Doozers looks a little bit more like traditional animation, but I know like with Splash and Bubbles, you guys do it here on the soundstage and you have your live, your live actors, um, in the suits and I guess they're not really in suits, but they are there in motion capture. Yeah. Motion capture. Yes. Suits. So, but Doozers isn't done like that. We have a mixture of, with our shows, we decide sort of based on the subject matter, whether we think it can be done effectively with the puppeteered animation. So Three of our children's shows were done with the puppeteered animation. That's Sid the Science Kid, 
um, Word Party on Netflix, and also Splash and Bubbles. So those shows, you you can they do feel a little more puppety. Yes, I think when you watch do. the shows, you feel they feel a little more Hensony, they feel a little more puppety, and it's because the pu- it's also the voicing. Yes, because they have adult puppeteers doing children's voices, which is a very particular thing. Like when you hear that vo- those kind of voices. Um, it, you associate it with puppets. Yeah. Um, whereas something like uh, Doozers or Dinosaur Train, which are done with normal CG animation, they also we use children mm-hmm. to voice the children. Um, we've even branched out into doing 2D animation. So Dot, which is a show that also which airs also on love. Hulu so and, and Universal Kids. Uh-huh. So Dot is 2D, and that was a big departure for us because we as a company have not done anything in 2D since um, Muppet Babies in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dot is so good, though, and I really enjoy that another as well. Great, another great curriculum. Did it, uh, yeah. we, we consider that show to be about di- digital citizenship. And that. digital literacy as well. So, you know, when we started doing that show, a lot of people didn't thought, well, maybe it will become repetitious to always be doing something about digital things. And then, you know, so much has changed in the last few years. You know, there there is no no shortage of subject matter. Like there, we are doing ev- sub stories about absolutely everything, mm-hmm. but just with a little angle of the digital. So smart though. You kind of have to because that's the era that the kids that are watching those shows now are growing up in and that's what they're going to be used to. She's a normal kid. Two kids watching, watching Dot, Dot and her friends are completely normal because they have, they don't have telephones. (laughs) They're too young for telephones. Right. But they have access to a lot of uh, digital tools. For those who are, who maybe have never heard of the Henson Company, I don't know who that would be, (laughs) but if someone has never heard of this company before or they don't know the legacy what are you hoping that if they're discovering these shows for the first time, what are you hoping they take away from it? Like from all of the shows? Well, we want all of our shows to make people feel um, that they're involved in something very creative. Like our shows are creative and original. We embrace new technology. So sometimes there will frequently be a new look or feel to the shows. Um, we create, um, we're very character based. So particularly with our preschool shows, we like to say that we're creating first friends for, for kids. And, you know, kids make such an attachment to the characters that they like in shows that as a parent, you kind of want to look at that carefully and say, is this a a character you, I really want my kid to be friends with? Totally. You know? Yeah. So we, we go through that process quite carefully and think, Actually, yes, Splash and Bubbles would be great friends for, for, for a kid, you know. So we want the, those first friends to be, you know, really worthy friends for your, you, the parent, your children. You know, I, we want you to feel good about your child being friends with the friends that we're creating. Well, I love it. And I think you guys have done that exactly. Like I said, my my daughter has watched so many of your shows and we enjoy them so much. And I'm so grateful for you to take the time to talk with me today. And I can't wait to see what else you guys have. I know you're a very creative person. This is a very creative place. So we'll see what's next. It's very exciting. We've got a lot coming along. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody. So I'm going to put up information about the new season of Doozers on motherhoodandhollywood.com and also where you can find out more about the Henson Family Hub. You guys are definitely going to want to check that out. That's going to do it for me. I hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. 
Balls.